All right, I want to start a new series this morning called Stay, S-T-A-Y, Stay. And I'm going to open up by reading to you out of Luke 24, verse 32, and it says this. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Were our hearts not burning within us? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for your scripture and the authority of it today. And thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come and worship and be together as a church family. Um, we, we're thankful for it. We're thankful for safe places to worship you, to honor you, to grow together. Right now, Lord, we open up our hearts to your word and ask God that you would plant it in our heart and that it would bear a lot of fruit. Thank you for your ability to speak to every one of us. Pray for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, and to share what's in your heart today. It's such a privilege, and I just pray, Lord, what's in your heart, let it be imparted today. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this, this new series entitled Stay, um, we're going to look at different stories in Scripture where people either desired to or were invited to stay with the Lord. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I felt led this morning to give you a devotional today before that song, Be Still. There's something about staying and be, being still that I think probably a lot of us probably could do better at. Am I talking to the right people? Because I know I, I like to roll hard and run hard, and then I have to hit the brakes and actually rest and stay. And we're going to build around that theme over the next few weeks. And we're going to start this morning in Luke chapter 24. The background of this scripture is that Jesus, by Luke 24, he has been crucified. He died on the cross. He has risen from the dead. And um, some ladies have gone to the tomb and realized that the tomb is empty. The angels have told them, listen, he is not here. You're not going to find the dead, uh, the living among the dead. And um, so there's two gentlemen that we're going to kind of drop into a story in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. They're on their, uh, their way to a place called Emmaus, the road to Emmaus. And they're having a conversation. And we're going to jump into that conversation where Jesus will also jump in. It says now... This is Luke 24, verse 13. Now, the same day, two men were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood with their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who is going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came to us and told us they they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So 
these two men, you know, they're walking along having this conversation. And what they don't realize is that Jesus has joined their conversation. They're kept from recognizing that it's Jesus. It's not just Jesus. It is the risen Jesus. He is risen from the dead. And they're going along talking and they're discussing everything that happened. And, you know, they're, they're searching for a way to understand what has happened in this past week and, and just discussing it. And, you know, I, I really believe that the world around us is searching for understanding, to make sense of it all, like to understand the, the world around us, the, the cosmos around us, if you will, like meaning of life and those kind of things. I think there's something that's naturally ingrained in every person that wants to know why and what is this all about? What's the existential like purpose of all of these things that are going on? Around me, I think people are searching for for truth. They want to know, make sense of the world, and know what's real. I think they're. I think people are all searching. All of us are searching for like belonging and identity. And I think that everybody's searching for a sense of power and authority in their own lives, rather than feeling powerless. There are right ways and wrong ways of going about that. Jesus, it's interesting how he begins this conversation with them. He encourages them to continue sharing what's in their hearts. He's like, so what's going on? He's playing dumb. Jesus is allowed to do that. And I can't, I can't help but think about how we interact with people who are unbelievers or don't follow Jesus. You know, I, I think it's okay. I think it's even wise for us to begin by listening. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes in our desire for people to know about God and to know about Jesus, we want to tell them first before we listen first. You know, it's, what's interesting is you can learn a lot about where people are and about what they value, what's important to them, by just listening. And Jesus shows us here it's okay to listen. And um, he recognizes that they have this hunger for God, and he, he recognizes that they're having this, this attempt to understand the world around them, and it's okay to start with, and Proverbs even says it's the matter of kings to draw out of a heart, the heart of a matter, right? You draw out of what's already in somebody's heart. And Jesus allows them, in the idiom of our day, he says, he allows them to speak their truth, right? How they see it, what they perceive as the truth. And, you know, they have these unmet expectations, Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. They were like, dang on it. I thought he was the one. I thought he was going to do it. You know, I, I, the way that they described it in the scripture is that they thought he was going to redeem Israel. Well, the irony is he provided for the redemption of all mankind. The irony is he did it, but they didn't see it. They didn't make that connection. But... After Jesus allows them to speak what's in their heart and to share what's going on inside of them, then he speaks the truth. It's really beautiful how this happens. We'll follow along. Luke 24, verse 25, it says this. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said 
in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. You know something about to happen, don't you? You can, you can feel it, right? He took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and he gave it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road, and as he opened the scriptures to us, the next thing they do is they run straight for the 11 disciples, and they're like, we just saw Jesus. And then Jesus comes into the room. It's pretty cool. I encourage you in your devotions this week, pick it up and read uh, Luke chapter 24. Um, it's really, really good. So Jesus, he takes these men, and after they had described their own hope deferred, makes the heart sick, if you will, their, their own expectations that weren't met, what they were hoping was going to happen. Can I tell you, a lot of people have hopes of what they think faith in God is or what quote-unquote religion is, and it's, it's, their expectation is wrong. But Jesus allows them to share everything that's in their hearts, and then he begins to explain from the scriptures everything that had happened that it was according to plan and, as and that it was on purpose and for a purpose. And as they get close to the village... Uh, where they're going, Emmaus, it, it says that Jesus continues on like he's going to keep on going, right? Because obviously he can't just invite himself in to somebody's house. And it says that the men urged Jesus to stay. Stay with us. You know, this is actually like the very right thing to do socially because um, for Jewish people at this time, being hospitable was like really important and hospitality was not measured by how well you took care of your friends when they come over hospitality was actually measured by how well you took care of strangers and so jesus as a stranger to them it was actually something that would be very normal for them to say would you stay but they didn't just ask jesus to stay they urged jesus to stay And, you know, Jesus was doing the socially polite thing to do. He didn't assume himself upon them. He's like, I'm going further, right? And they ask him to stay. Then this, like, amazing thing happened. Jesus, he takes the bread, he gives thanks, and he breaks it. And it's amazing because of this. If you were in somebody's home, the person who takes the bread and breaks it is whoever's the head of the household. And so it would have been like an out-of-order thing. It would have been like, you know, Mike being at my house, and all of a sudden, you know, there's the turkey sitting there, and we're all getting ready to eat. Mike picks up, and he goes, I'll carve the turkey. I got this. He's like taking it upon himself. Like that's what Jesus is doing. He's like taking it upon himself. But as soon as he breaks the bread all at once, it reveals, he reveals his identity, and it's like they can see that actually he is the head honcho in the house. And he reveals his, himself, and it's kind of like a beautiful culmination all at once. It's like, so it's me, Jesus, at the table. I wonder, you know, sometimes my imaginative mind wants to know, like, so he broke the bread. They can see that it's Jesus. It says that he disappeared. So, like, did the bread drop? <laughs> like, did he put it down first? Did he distribute it? I don't know. I'm just curious. Not important. 
probably why it's not in there. But I would like to know. Um, when I when I see this story, what I see is a hunger for God. These men have a hunger for God. And they're discussing all that had happened on the cross. And they're discussing their own dreams and their own desires, their hopes of what Jesus would, would accomplish for the, the nation of Israel. And Jesus encourages their hunger and their discussion and their wrestling with the facts. And then he speaks the truth. And their hunger and their, their hospitality, if you will, encouraged Jesus to stay. It, it wasn't just the fact that it was the right thing to do to ask Jesus to stay. No, they urged Jesus to stay. They were like, no, we, we want, whoever you are, we want you to stay because there's something happening here. And he rewards, Jesus rewards their hunger and he rewards their hospitality by revealing himself. Are you, are you hungry for God today? I mean, you know, it, sometimes you're preaching to the choir, right? Some of you are probably thinking, I'm here. <laughs> There's at least something. And I, I, I acknowledge that. And I'm not saying it, honestly, in a, in a harsh tone. I'm, I'm asking in kind of a, a question of, like, are you asking asking questions and and going to God's word and and wrestling with things maybe that you don't understand and wrestling with the things that maybe you've known and I think one of the beautiful things about scripture is you can pour yourself over things that you've already known and learned and and refresh and relearn and learn new even as you're reading and scripture it's amazing how the Holy Spirit is is so willing to be present with you when you're wrestling with the word and and you're looking at what's inside of it and grappling with things that you understand and things that you don't understand I know you know, recently that, you know, my, I've been studying hell um, and I, I've challenged myself to study the subject of hell in scripture because it's a, it's a subject that most of us aren't very comfortable with talking about. And, uh, and I feel this kind of obligation, like, you know, it, we're not comfortable with it. People don't like talking about it. People especially don't like talking about it, you know, in front of a church, you know, and, and things like that. I've been deliberate this year to use the word hell several times when I preach this year because it's in the Bible and I feel like I need to have an uh, uh, I need to be real to what's in God's word. And it's caused me to like want to wrestle with that that discussion more and read more about it and learn more about it. And it's not my favorite. I don't get up and go, let's read about hell. Yeah. Like, not at all. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't, you know, and, but I've been just wrestling with something that I'm not even comfortable with. But it's been for a purpose. It's not just like to give myself a hard time. It, there's been a real purpose to it. And I think in, in our lives, hunger can, can evidence itself in different ways, in things that you don't understand, in things that you do understand and are passionate about and that you want to learn more about. Some of us in the room, you're, you're very passionate about the fact that we believe that God is a healer and that he has provided for healing and he provides emotional and physical healing. And we love that in Scripture and we like uh, wrestling with those Scriptures in the Bible. And I think that's a great thing. And I, I, my encouragement and hunger is not just the things you don't understand, but the things that you do understand. But there's something about hunger that's good for you. 
And just and maybe if you have a lack of hunger, maybe a lack of desire, I just want to encourage you to allow that hunger to grow and just ask the Lord to help you. It's great because you can cheat. You can ask the Lord to help you with your own motivation. Yeah, are you hungry? And then the other question I have for you is, you know, are you inviting Jesus to stay? Like making time, making room in your life for him to speak to you. And again, I, I'm not, you need to know my own tone. I'm not a condemning person the way that I, I would bring something this across. But there's something about making time and making room that allows the Lord more room to speak. And I know it is so easy for us to move on to the next thing in life. To just kind of move on to the next thing onto the agenda, the next thing that needs to be done. And I just want to encourage you very simply, will you make room? Will you make room for him to speak? Will you make room for him to to show you things and to lead you and to speak to you. And it's again, why we, we kind of had a, a short devotional around be still. Sometimes receiving means you need to be still long enough to receive it. Because and some of y'all are going to go, he is picking on me today. Really not. Maybe all of us, right? Sometimes like we'll do our devotions and it's like, okay, I need to read a scripture. Done. Next, I need to cook the toast. Next, I need to... It's like. Did you get something out of it? Did you just allow, maybe read a little less and allow him to speak a little bit more? Make it more relational, but develop the hunger and the stay because in this story, Jesus revealed himself as they hungered and invited him to stay. They're having this conversation. And in my own mind, I'm like, Jesus is like, game on. Like, let's do this. He's like, no, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what's going on in your heart. I just love how he's, he's reaching out to these guys and he's letting them talk about what is in their hearts. And what's amazing is when you let people say what's in their heart, it gives you authority and room to say something into their heart. Because they're, they're like, I've been heard. I've been listened to. And they don't realize, you know, if, if it was Jesus and they knew it was Jesus, they would have been like, no, 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 no you talk. Because you just died and you just rose from the dead. And like you, but Jesus allows them to say what's in their heart and then he speaks. And it says their hearts were burning. You know what's a great thing about the truth? Is it trumps every lie. It's really cool. Like people can speak their truth as much as they want. But there's something about when you hear pure truth. God's truth is the creator of the universe, the one who made everything and is over all things. When he says something that really is true, it just stands up and it just makes the world make so much more sense. Don't get me wrong. We've got lots of questions and those kinds of things. But it's amazing how when he speaks the truth, it just kind of locks in. You're like, right, you. Oh, that was good. I think, you know, they got to the house and they're like, yeah, we're supposed to invite you in. You, oh, no, no. You're staying at our house. We come, And they're probably gathering the honeys and the kids and saying, come on. You know, you got to listen to this guy. Listen to what he's saying. Like, there's something inside of them that going, yes, this is it. This is it. And I just want to encourage you that that hunger is such a good thing. And the hunger is not just your hunger. There is a world around us that is hungry. 
They're hungry. And Jesus, he wants to walk with them. And he wants to build, he wants to use us to build trust with them. Like, you know what, I'm willing to listen to what you got to say. What, what's in your heart? What's going on inside of you? One of the reasons why that's so important is because different people have different motivations as far as what problem they're trying to solve in life. Some people could care less about what the truth is. They just want a place to belong. And you know what? What better place to belong than God's family? There are other people that it's really not about that. It's really that they feel really out of control in their life. And they feel like everything is chaos and they just want things to be in order and they don't know how. Well, we have a God who can do that. But you got to listen to be able to hear that. And then it gives us the, the, um, the ability, the collateral to be able to then speak to them. And I, I think we, we've got to be willing to have people in our homes and, and, um, and, and allow Jesus to open their eyes to who he is. What's really beautiful is to watch Jesus open somebody's eyes. Remember years ago, we had our food pantry. This is back in the, the early days before we had this massive, amazing team that we have now, um, led by Maxine and the, and the team. And um, I was here one day, and I was just dropping off some food, and it was a Tuesday, and I got this call, and this guy says to me, he says, um, I heard that you guys have a food pantry there, and I could use some food and that kind of thing. He says, and I said, yeah, you know, we're open from such and such and such. He says, can I just stop by and check it out? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm here now. And he, he walks through the door. His name is Roger, and Roger was rough. Um, he was an ex-biker like gang guy in his 50s. Um, he had nice, long, blonde hair. I was really jealous. And um, you know, he, he, was, he was inked up really well and had his leather jacket, and he was, he was tough. He came in, though. He was really broken came in broken and he just said, I, he says, I've just lost everything. He says, my wife has died just a couple months ago. He says, I can't function in life and just everything is a mess. And uh, I just, I just need some food to get by. My adult kids are a mess. Like everything is a mess. I just need some help. And I'm sitting there listening to him and he goes, "Um," I said, where are you with, with Jesus? He goes, well, you know, I, I became, um, I, 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 I became a, a Jewish follower because my wife was one. I, I really don't have anything to do with Jesus and that kind of thing. And so we're sit, sitting there talking. And I said to him, I said, yeah, here's the food bank. Here's where it is. I said, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. And I said, can I pray for you in Jesus' name? It's like, yeah. So just prayed for him. That's all I did. We didn't have the talk. Just prayed for him. And he left. You know, before he got to his house, he calls me back. And he leaves his voice. He goes, Pastor Mike, I don't know what happened. I said, I just feel different. Something's just really different. I don't know. But I'll see at the food. I, I don't know what's going on, but I feel different. And came to the food pantry, invited him to come and hang out on, the, on Sunday mornings. And he would come out and he would just sit in the back room. And you could tell the Holy Spirit was just working inside of him. And there was just this time thing that was happening. You know, and, and um, about a month later, maybe two months later, we were having a service like this on a Sunday, and um, we had all responded by coming up, and we were praying together a corporate prayer up in the front. And um, it was like the Holy Spirit was like, now. Now's the moment. He's ready for me to come and stay in his life now. I walked up. I just put my arm around him, and I just said, Roger, 
are you ready to make Jesus your one and only? And he said, yeah, I am. And we prayed that prayer and we, you know, said, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. And, and uh, you know, leading my own life's not working. I want to follow you, Jesus. And that day he gave his life to, to Jesus. And a few, a uh, couple months later, he got baptized in water. And we were doing some discipleship stuff in the Bible and things like that. And it was about a year later, he died of a heart attack, 55 years old. And I thought, God, you are so merciful and so loving and so kind that you reached and you got this hurting man out of, the, of all the stuff that he was going through in that moment. And I remember we were sitting in the, in the car and he, would, he started going with me to pick up food for the food pantry. He would hang out with me. And his kids would call on the phone and he always did the speakerphone, flip phone thing. And the kids would answer the phone and they would start cussing on the phone and he would always go, don't cuss. I'm with the pastor. It was really cute. Like I was going to melt or something, you know. It was like, oh, no, I heard the word. Um, anyhow, I think we need to break down some of those. Not saying participate, but some of y'all do participate well. Um, <laughs> just keeping it real. Um, but, and he was just saying, he said, I need you. He didn't say I need you. He says, my kids are lost. My kids are lost. And he would say that. And you know, when he died, I remember being in the hospital, room, the hospital, and his kids were gathered. And it was like God had made this transition. It was like, he's gone, and they need the words of life. And, you know, just doing their funeral, doing his funeral and all those kinds of things, and being there. And it's amazing how God will make those kinds of of connections and those kind of things. And I just want to say, there are people around you in your life that if you ask, the Lord will show you their hunger. And he'll help you draw out of their hearts, like what is important, what is it in life that they're trying to solve? Because the great thing is it doesn't really matter what the it is, he's the answer. And i got to tell you, don't be intimidated and think you've got to have all the answers. And you got It's amazing how well the Holy Spirit can give you the right thing to say at the right time. And it may just cause you to look in your word more and research more and read more and ask more. And that's good for you. But I'm telling you, there are people all around us who have questions, but they need safe places to share what's in their heart. And then you have that invitation to stay. You're allowed to be in my life. You're allowed to be around. And I just want to encourage you those two things today. Would you allow hunger in your own heart to blossom and make time for Jesus to stay? I just love the idea of then they just stayed in the house and Jesus was present and the revelation of who he was came to their lives. Hopefully he won't then disappear in yours. Um, but And then, you know, the beauty of there are just people who are hungry. And you don't have to have all the answers, but if you know and you follow Jesus, you have some of the answers, and you can listen. Amen. Grace, would you come? Would you stand with me this morning as we close?